You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, good morning, River. So good to be with you guys. That video is a great reminder, just honestly to say thank you to those uh, serving. We had a new couple serving, making coffee this morning for the first time. I'm grateful for you guys and great for all the things that you do, uh, ministering and serving and helping one another and just so many of those. And so just want to truly say thank you. Hey, if you're new to River, we're glad that you're here this morning. And uh, if you're not new to River, I'm glad you're here this morning as well. So it's good to worship God. I don't know how your week has been but um, or what you've got going on uh, today besides the Super Bowl. Uh, how many of you are going to watch the Super Bowl? I'm curious, this little survey. How many of you, if we, I thought about this a little late in the game, but if we had made, like, everybody wear your favorite sports team jersey today, how many of you would have worn something? Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. Like, there would be half a dozen of us, and the rest of the people are like, who are those weird people? Like, why is everybody, like, wearing something else? So, anyway, you guys just don't know what you're missing if you're not wearing any of that stuff. So, I'm, I'm messing with it. I'm kidding you. Uh, so, we're in the middle of a series in Thessalonians, and... Um, I was reminded of a time as I was thinking about this morning uh, about what to share with you guys. When Susan and I first got married, we moved to Fifth Avenue on Mont Pleasant in Schenectady, right off Crane Street. And uh, I was a seminary student. Uh, In fact, I got married on a Saturday, and um, we did our week's honeymoon in Schenectady. Woo-hoo! And... uh, (laughs) And uh, we, I started seminary the following, uh, like a week and a half later, whatever, on a Tuesday in classes. And the school I went to required a, each student to share a gospel presentation with somebody on average every week. You know, that Jesus loves you, died for you, and he rose again, and, and you could be saved, and you could be forgiven if you trust him as your Lord and Savior. It's a good discipline. Uh, but it was a challenge for me because I was, uh, I'm, I am an introvert, so you might find that difficult to believe. I don't probably come across to you that way. I'll just say many years of disciplines and skills and prayers. But, uh, but by nature, I'm an introvert, and, uh, and it was difficult for me as an introvert to have that discipline to share with somebody when all day long I ever hung around were other seminary students. And it's not like I went to work, and it's not like I had other relationships and people, and everybody knew where it was a Christian already, so I had to work hard to make some of those connections. And I remember walking down the street a couple blocks on Fifth Ave, and it's still there, I think. There was a, there was a playground and a basketball court. And I remember going down one night playing basketball. I think I was the only white guy on the court, so um, everybody was better than me by, by a mile. But uh, just trying to get to know the, the students and, the, and or the, the kids in the area. And I remember uh, sharing with a couple of the kids afterwards. And were they very interested? Not really, you know. Did they think they were this, that was some weird guy down the road? And probably, I don't know. But in football terms, we would call that positive yards, right? You know, in baseball terms, that was a single. You know, I did get a home run. Uh, for the computer nerds, the progress bar moved one spot. You know, it didn't go all the way. Uh, it wasn't a home run. It wasn't, you know, whoa, this is the greatest thing ever. But slowly but surely, over time, I learned how to do that better and better. And I remember in that season of life, I can remember being on our, the, the, we lived on a second uh, floor of just, you know, the typical two families that are in Schenectady and Albany and lived on the second floor with our bright red carpet that was probably, it was all we could afford, but it was probably, you know, 30 years old and just begging God, God help me to love people. I was called as to, to preach the gospel and I knew that God wanted me to spend my life investing in people. 
But to be honest with you as an introvert, I didn't really care a whole lot about people up to that point in life, you know, maybe a few, but, and I just, I, God, would you help me? Because I realized that if I was really going to be somebody who helped people understand God's word, people that were not looking for God, not looking for the gospel, that there had to be a whole lot of something that happened in me first to be able to be at that, to be at that point. Fast forward that, I've learned a whole lot more about who I am and how to do that well. And, and uh, I have a hunch this morning as I share, we're going to look at it. I want to give you some practical tools and tips, if you will, to, to help us all to know how can we reach out to our friends, our, our, our neighbors, our family, our coworkers, or whoever. But I, I remember walking with guilt, to be honest with you, for a long time, uh, years, maybe even decades, even as a pastor, feeling like, you know, I should do better at this. I mean, of all people, I should get this. And I can remember letting opportunities go by, and I would feel so guilty with those kinds of things and, uh, and then feel like I could do better. And I have a hunch, there's some of you this morning that have tried this in the past, it didn't go very well, and you're like, yeah, I did that once, Sean, I'm not, yeah, no, not doing that again. Uh, and others maybe want to, maybe don't know how. Um, and maybe some of you are sharing faithfully and, and investing in other people's lives. And, but regardless, I, I hope, my hope this morning is this will encourage you, challenge you, help you along the way. So take your Bible, if you would. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to look at eight verses this morning. Uh, eight verses. I have just, just three simple things that I, I want to talk to you about and, and how about us individually. This is not us as a church. Um, doing this uh, like a organized on a calendar thing. This is us just individually and in our families asking God and working with what God, where God has put us among the people in the workplace and the college or the school, the campuses that we're in, just for God to use us in those, those places. So read with me if you would, starting in verse 1. The Bible says this, Paul's writing to this young church in Thessalonians that he helped start. That he went and shared the gospel with these people. And he says this. He says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and had been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God. Not boldness in us, but boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God. In the midst of much conflict, wasn't easy. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. Our motive wasn't any of those things. He says, but just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Our orientation is toward God to please Him as we share with others. He says in verse 5, For we never came with words of flattery, not trying to butter anybody up, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. Well, I'm really after money, but if I share with them, maybe I can get them for $19.95, send them a prayer cloth that'll heal their dog, you know, for, for diabetes or whatever's going on. I, we weren't, this wasn't a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, we weren't trying to be somebody, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. We are apostles and God gave us a significant role, but we didn't do it for our glory. He says, but instead, look at this, check this out, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, 
we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. Pray with me, would you? Father in heaven, we are grateful for these truths. And Father, there's so many good things in here for us this morning to, to grasp, to have spoken into our hearts. Lord, I'm grateful that your word is powerful, that's sharper than the sharpest scalpel, and that it's able to, to pierce and to speak into our hearts and our minds and our souls, to show us where we are, to bring us to you, to encourage us and convict us and do all of that. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to meet with you. May we hear from your spirit as he, he takes this word into our hearts. Father, we, we lift this time to you for your working in each of us. We pray this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I want to share with you about uh, as we think about you know, praying for and reaching out to the people around us, whether it's here this morning, we have a team in Guatemala. I hear they got there safely yesterday. And uh, so they're there this morning waking up. I don't know what's happening. I imagine there's some kind of church service just as they're kind of getting there and getting ready to kind of gear up for the week and settling in, into life. But, uh, you know, whether going to Guatemala or whether right here on campus or in your workplace or in your, your neighborhood or wherever, God has given us the responsibility as a church to shine as a light for him. That's not primarily, that isn't us just collectively on Sunday morning turning the lights on and, hey, church, world, look at us, we're here. That's actually you and I going out during the week and, and living out our faith and, and just naturally, whether it's a store or whatever, and taking those opportunities and looking for those and, and investing those in the people around us. So if you and I are to, to do that well, because we serve a God who loved, loves the world. I mean, he loved you and me enough to put us in contact with people that would share with us. He in turn wants to use us to put us in contact with others that need that same message. So these, these three things to help us wrestle with this, the first thing I want you to realize is that you and I are empowered to do this. Our power comes from God. Look what the Bible says in verse 2. He says, he says, but though we had already been suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, just before Paul came to the, the city of Thessalonica there in modern-day Greece to share with them, he was in the city of Philippi. And the, the town leaders, the magistrates, basically arrested Paul uh, and his companions, and they began to beat them. And this is crazy. I don't know, even in the, back then, today, the town leaders stirred up the mob. They said, hey, everybody, come over here. These guys are stirring up all kinds of trouble, telling us that, that we should serve some, you know, some other king. And, and, and not only did the magistrates beat them, but they invited the mob to start beating them and kicking them and, 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 and just pummeling them and made a mockery publicly of them, arrested them, put them in jail, put their feet in irons. Uh, can you imagine just sleeping in your own bed with your feet shackled together in, in metal? And when you were a prisoner, they would shackle you to the next guy and then to the next guy, and you're just laying on a cold floor. So Paul says, we were publicly, shamefully treated. Now, he got smart after that. He said, hey, you do know we're Roman citizens, right? And you do know it's illegal to beat Roman citizens. Paul got smart. He, he began playing the card. He's like, I don't have to put up with this beating if I don't have to. And so it got a little bit better. But he was reminding the Philippians that, hey, we just 
because of our love for Jesus and sharing the gospel, we just suffered tremendously. But we didn't let those past challenges keep us from turning around and coming to you to share with you the wonderful message of salvation that, that God loves you enough to send his only son Jesus to die for you. So I want you and I to put ourselves in Paul's shoes. What Paul is telling us this morning is that you and I are empowered by God to represent him on this planet. And that we are empowered by him to share that message of hope, that message of salvation with the people around us. And that we should not allow past challenges to keep us from doing that. We shouldn't allow the, the things in the past to, to hinder us from that. Sometimes it, 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 we allow some things that people will say to us in our past. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a parent or a family member. Well, you just think you're better than us or you're just you know, one of those crazy Christians. Sometimes we, sometimes we allow some of those things, maybe even a coworker when we're at work who doesn't really realize where, you know, where we are spiritually and they might go on a rant about you know, some neighbor or friend that you know on something and and what happens is, is it puts a check in our heart it puts an obstacle and it puts a challenge in us and then from that day forward you and I are hesitant and reticent and nervous and worked up and fearful about talking to the next person or or being a little more bold or maybe we try something and it didn't go very well how how many things in your life could you truly name that you did really well the first time you ever tried it First time you were awesome and amazing, and every time after that you were awesome and amazing. Is there really much? Guys, men, I'd be willing to bet you that you probably fumbled the ball pretty heavy. Sorry for the football. I must have it on my brain with Super Bowl. But you probably fumbled the ball with your first date or the first time, you know, that, that, that you engaged a, a, a girl. I would be willing to bet that if you were to look back and we were really to compare notes, you didn't do so well, but you did. You tried again, right? Why? Because it was important enough to do that. So we have to realize what Paul is saying is that, you know, regardless of what obstacle or challenge that we faced in the past, nobody in this room, I believe, has probably been beaten for the fact that they love Jesus and have tried to share the gospel. You might have been beat up emotionally. Maybe somebody chewed you up and spit you out. And somewhere along the way, just like Paul, I mean, I can picture, I don't know how long after Paul got out of prison, but he was probably black and blue and black eyes and sores and, and getting up and not getting around so well. And they went on and they, they did it again. The reason he was able to do that was because he was emboldened by God. Look where our boldness comes from. Our boldness is in God. Paul didn't say, hey, I'm bold for myself. I can handle it and take it like a man. He said, guys, my courage to speak and to speak freely and to live without hindrance comes from, from God himself. It, 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 it comes directly from him. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you struggle and if you have that nagging sense, whether it's guilt or, or just you know, something you've put on the shelf because of past things, I want to challenge you this morning to ask God to help you to be bold, to not allow any of those things to hinder you in your past, 
to keep you from doing in your present and in your future what God wants you to do in order to, to live your life and to share your faith with those around you that they desperately need to hear that. He didn't allow the past challenges. He didn't allow the present conflict. He goes and says, he says, you know what, in much conflict that we shared this gospel with you, hey, we know this stirred up as well. Are you going to have some conflict along the way if you really are trying to share with people? You will. You will. But much of that is going to be perceived conflict. Perceived and not in reality. You know, there's a lot of people that are hurting and looking for hope and looking for answers. That in the course of their life, truthfully are getting desperate enough that they're willing to try anything for looking for hope and help. And they are willing to listen and they will look at your life and say, you know, I know you got challenges and I know you got issues. You know, everybody looks at our, my life like, I, we know you got issues, Sean. And sometimes people are looking at your life like, I know you got issues, but there's something different. And somehow you're able to have a hope, to have a faith, to, to be able to make that work. And they will be drawn to, to God through your life. And so we shouldn't allow any of those hesitations to keep us from that, that our boldness comes from our, our relationship with God to, to step out and to be willing for God to, to work and, and, and to speak and to use us. Second thing I want you to realize, not only do we need to really understand where that empowerment comes from, we don't well it up ourselves, it comes from God in heaven spiritually. The second thing I want you to notice is that we need to have a, the right motivation in sharing. Paul says, I mean, he mentioned a number of things, and I kind of read them through there for you, but you know, he said, he said, look, there's a lot of things we could have used to be motivated and why we came to you. We could have been looking for money. We could have been just trying to have a crowd to have lots of followers. There's a lot of people trying to get people to follow them on Facebook and YouTube and all that kind of thing who really don't care about the followers. They really care about the, their fact that they're being followed. And Paul says, that wasn't us. We're not trying to be propped up and full of glory. He said, there is a separate motivation why we did this. Look what his sense was. He said in verse 4, we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. And so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our heart. Paul is saying this. He says, guys, we, God has invested this gospel, this glorious message, that even though we've been separated from a holy God in heaven, that he, he has made the first move and He has made it possible. To, he is, reaches down and He saves us and He pulls us out of that sin and out of that shame and out of that guilt and all of that. And He puts us from the, the, the depths and He puts us on high. And we've been entrusted with that message. Usually when you and I think about the gospel, we think about it in terms of a personal sense that that, you know, God's given this to me. This is my gift and, and my salvation. You know, I, I, I open the gift up, I pull the bow on it, and that's mine, and that's God's gift to me, this wonderful gospel grace of salvation. But the gospel is a treasure that God gives to us, and He in turn expects us to invest it in the lives of people around us. That it's by nature meant to be not something that we keep, but instead something that we share. When we think about as a, as a people to how to grow and kind of the areas of our life that we should grow in, we should always be growing to the day we die in our relationship with God in heaven. We should be growing in our relationship 
with one another. I don't mean increasingly best of best friends, although that hopefully happens along the way with some individuals, but our, our service and care and love and compassion should be increasing and improving toward one another regularly. And in turn, for the rest of our lives, we should be growing in our relationship with the people that need Christ, whether it's in other countries, other people groups, another community, or right across the, 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 the office cubicle, or right across the, the room at school, whatever. But we should be growing in our commitment and our love and our ability to help other people experience God's grace in our life. So kind of three relational areas, kind of upward, kind of uh, together and inward, if you will, as a church, and then outward. We, we talk about those as loving Christ, loving one another as a church, and, and, loving, and, and loving our community. When Paul says we've been entrusted with this gospel, he says we have a responsibility to be a steward of that gospel. You see, going back to the loving Christ, what God and I, well, the target that we at River try to help us all grow in the if you will, if, for the teachers in the room, this is the, this is the, the development target that you know when the, you know, the kids have, have, are able to do the math problem or to accomplish the reading or whatever, those, whatever you call those in the academic world. In the spiritual world is that we should all live as adopted stewards, that God in heaven has adopted us into his family and that everything in our life we are to be a steward over, that we have a responsibility to, that he's entrusted, he's given us spiritual gifts, and he's given us resources and talents and time and abilities in our life and our bodies, everything, to in turn be invested for those around us. You see, part of the growing in the Christian life is moving from just the point when we first get saved is like, wow, God loves me and he saves me, to wow, God loves me and saves me, and now he wants to use me with others. So Paul had this great deep conviction. Here's the thing. If you struggle to share the gospel or to even to pray for others or say invite them to, to, to church or to a, a, a women's accessory, uh, all you ladies are looking very accessorized this morning, I must say. I'm lying. I didn't notice a thing, so I'm a typical man in that. But I hope you are feeling accessorized, uh, excessively accessorized this morning. But, you know, whether you invite a friend who doesn't know Jesus to something like that, who maybe say, you know, church might be a little heavy, but just why don't they just come to have some fun? But if, you're, if you are either neglectful in that or struggling in the confidence in that, then your prayer needs to be, God, would you help me to really realize that you've entrusted this to me, that this is a treasure to be shared most time we think of treasures that we keep that God gives to us and we secure them in our home and our car and we lock them up. The gospel is not that way. God says, I'm giving you a million dollars and you better not use it all on yourself. You better take some of that gospel money and share it and give it. Paul was burdened that he dare not, even if it meant a beating or getting arrested, to keep that to himself. He felt entrusted with that and his motivation ultimately was to please God and not other people. He knew he was going to answer to God and not what other people thought. If I had to guess, and I've not done a poll, maybe I should, we should do that. There's lots of surveys I would love to do if I had the time and it was worth it. But I would be willing to say that most often we don't share the gospel or invest in other people's lives is because of fear. 
And most often we're afraid of what they're going to think of us or say about us or what the they, whoever the they really are out there. Uh, I'm picturing there's somebody walking around with a name tag, they, you know, like, oh, you're the they. Okay, I got to speak to you, <laughs> you know, or they and them. But that we're afraid of what they're going to think and say. You and I will never get to the point where we fulfill the calling of God in our life if we fear people more than we do God. Paul said, look, I came to speak in a way that pleases God, not people. I went to Pennsylvania, had a meeting the last couple of days, and it was cheaper for me to rent a car than it was to get the mileage for, um, for the, the ministry that I lead, not with River, but uh, the other one. And uh, so when I pulled into the rental car place, I drove by, and I always get whatever cheapo little thing that I can get because it's expensive enough. And uh, I pulled in, and I saw this ugly mint green Ford Fiesta. Now, if you have a mint green Ford Fiesta uh, or a Ford Fiesta or any mint green car, that may be wonderful. But when I walked out, and they only had one compact car left, and they were trying to upsell me, and I just stuck to that one, and, or the whatever it was, and she said, okay, it's the mint green one. I'm like, called it. I knew I was going to say that. I felt like a tube of crisp toothpaste driving down the highway. I, I, I will be, no, no joke, inside of me, I'm like, this is embarrassing. Like, this is like, I'm like, can I really drive in this thing? Like, there was some identity stuff in here. In reality... Most of us have learned the whole socialization thing when we were in school. And we've had years of being streamed into whatever was socially cool and acceptable and doing what it took and wanting to wear what was in and wanting to have whatever, you know, was the end thing. Uh, I had forgotten something. We were talking with my kids. Oh, when we were going to the city missions uh, packing uh, clothes and food for them. They were, they were, some people had given away jackets and there were ski tags on them. And I'd forgotten about that, but when I was in high school, that was a status symbol. I don't know if it is anymore. You know, the kids that had that, I mean, it was an expensive sport and I never had that, but they kind of, you know, walked around. It was one of those things I'd forgotten. Here's the deal. Somewhere along life, we should mature out of that garbage because that's really what it all is. And as Christians, we really ought to mature out of that because our life should be lived in a way that pleases God, not the people around us. Now, please, don't go running naked through the streets. That would please me if you don't do that, all right? You would please a lot of people. Your spouse would be very happy. Kids, your parents will be really happy if you don't go and do that, you know? And the police officer will be really glad not to have to arrest you and say, like, please put some clothes on. So there are some things that do please others. But the reality is, is we should live our life pleasing God. You'll never speak and live in a way boldly if you are worried about what other people are going to think. Never. And worse than that, you see, there's when you make a commitment to live in such a way, I'm not talking about being a jerk, I'm not even talking about going door to door, some other things. But there's, on top of it, if you allow fear to keep you from sharing the gospel, there's actually two egregious things that happen there. Not only do you not get to share that with somebody, and they're missing out on the very thing that can save them out of the mess of life, but you are also missing out on the opportunity, and you are in a straitjacket emotionally and relationally, and the God of heaven is really not the one who's ruling your life. 
You're allowing the crowd and your sense of acceptance by others to be what's most important to you. And it actually is healthy for you if you push into that and say, I'm going to let that go. So you are not only empowered to share the gospel, but you and I should have a motivation to live our life not worrying about other people think. Our goal should simply be, how can I best live and share to help this person get it? Not be weird, not be obnoxious, but how can I live boldly and freely and, and share with them in a way that they can get it and hear the, hear the message? Because guys, at the end of the day, that's all of eternity. I mean, Jesus is coming. Heaven and hell is real, and this is all going to be done, and it's not going to matter what cool sneakers anybody wore and what they said or didn't do or any of the other stuff going on. Like, this is for real. God, God plays for keeps. So you and I should be emboldened to, to share that and to live that out, and we should be, um, along that way, find the motivation that's from God himself. Third thing, and, and quickly. Not only that, but he shares with us the manner that we should in which we should live our life. Look what Paul says. He says, but we were gentle among you. We weren't rough with you, in verse 7, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. There's that whole loving people enough to just do what it takes. You know, many of you ladies, maybe most of you, if you, you had children, uh, nursed your babies. And that new baby, when you come home at night, you know, that's not a nine-to-five job, right? If you're a mom, it is not nine-to-five. It is you are on the clock at all hours. And if you're a working mom, you're doubly on the clock for all of that. And a mom, middle of the night, gets up. I don't care how tired and how worn out and all of that goes into that room to pick up and scoop up the baby that's hungry and crying and half asleep to take care and nurse and change that baby. There's a, there's a determination to love that child and to treat it with a respect and a gentle handling and a care and a deep concern that what's best for that kid. I mean, you, we talk about messing with mama bear. I don't want to ever mess with a mama bear, you know, with, the, with, with her little cubs. And, and ladies, I, I fear you more than I do most guys in the world. If I were, you know, to mess with the kids, I mean, moms are just take care. And there's the, the gentleness, but there's the protection and the provision. And Paul says, look, the manner of how we came and shared the gospel to you, we were gentle. We didn't rough handle you, but we were, we were gentle. We were not rude. We were not running over the top of you. We were not argumentative with you, but we were, we were, were gentle. And we were willing to give even of our own selves to you, not just the gospel. I wasn't just going to go into my spiritual bank account and give you a little something. I was willing to give myself away. Here's the thing. When you and I pray, God, would you help me to love people enough and to God, I know this is a crazy world and it's politically incorrect and there's all kinds of stuff around me and it's a challenge. And folks, it is a challenge. There will be conflict and challenges along the way. But God's bigger than all of that, right? I'm, he's bigger than all of that. God is powerful enough to put you in place and he's already done it with people around you that he wants you to bear witness and shine as a, as a light. 
And when we say, God, would you help us? The, the well that we draw from is the motivation and the, the, the care that we have for people to say, I'm going to be gentle and give away all that I've got to do whatever it takes for people to hear and share the gospel. Guys, that's what River was really started, what we were all about as we were a church as we were started. And that's what we want to continue in the future is to be a church that, that loves one another and loves God, but a church that reaches out and, and helps the average person to, to know the gospel. Sometimes we, we don't do that because we haven't been taught very well. I'm, I'm going to wrap it up with this. The school that I went to taught me to share the gospel and for years, it was kind of ingrained in me to how do you share with somebody you've never met before? Kind of, kind of person X, you know, idea. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not very good at that. I bet I've only ever seen one of those people I've ever tried to share the gospel that way. I've only ever seen one of them really trust Christ. And it's kind of a neat thing. It was a kid on, that sat next to me on a plane uh, ride coming into, back to New York. But I've seen a lot of people trust Christ with me personally when I was using my spiritual gift, and that was teaching. I've, I've led a number of you to Christ just meeting with you guys and sitting down and opening the Bible and taking you through it and helping you understand what it says and what it means. You see, most often we've been handed what other people think we should do to share the gospel. And this is a conviction I have is that most people that t teach other people how to share the gospel have the gift of talking to people, and they have the, the ability just to talk to anybody. And the average person sitting in a chair can't do that, and that's not them, and that's not their spiritual gift. But God has given you guys spiritual gifts to be used. So if you have the gift of hospitality, you know what I'm encouraging you to do? Go be hospitable. Well, Sean, I don't know if I have the gift of hospitality or not. Would well, you like to make people feel welcome and to do stuff and be, you know, to feel cared for? Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> just do that with lost people. And, and help them do that. Maybe you've got the gift of knowledge. Maybe that person they can unlock for people who are struggling with the, the basis of science and how it connects with salvation and, and the conundrums of life. Take that gift and help them to understand that. Maybe you have the gift of wisdom. There's a lot of people in the world around us. Wisdom is knowledge applied. And maybe you have the ability of people who are just struggling to make sense of their messed up world. And you can share the wisdom of life and the wisdom of God in the middle of that in a way that they'll, they'll get it. Well, Sean, I really don't know what my spiritual gift is. To be honest with you, that's okay. Do what comes natural to you. You see, if you have that motivation and that manner of just loving people and being willing to give yourself away, you're not going to let the world and the threat of conflict keep you away. You're not going to worry about what other people are saying. You're going to love people enough to help them, to share them, just like a mom says, i got to feed this kid or they're going to starve to death. Because I love this kid, even though I love sleep a lot, and I really want to go to sleep right now. I love this kid, and I'm going to be gentle with them. I'm going to give them what they need. When you and I have that, we're not going to allow any of our own looking at ourselves our own fears and securities, our own not being sure how to do stuff, keep us. We're going to just love people and be willing to give ourselves away, whether you're shoveling their sidewalk for them, whether you're making a cake on their birthday. I, I don't know. But I want us this morning as a, as a people to ask God to allow us to embolden us, to give us a boldness, 
in the messed up political world in which we live in is, is in New York and as Christians and that there's more of a perception and onslaught, you know, of sharing God's gospel word than ever before. But God, would you give us a boldness that your light would actually shine brighter into that middle of that world and that we can live that out, live it out um, committedly, humbly, but forthrightly and boldly. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if you in your heart would just kind of take a, a step in that way. Maybe you just need to say, God, I don't know if I really love people like I should. I'm kind of with Sean on that one. I just, maybe we're, you're saying, I've just been so busy. I don't have time to love other people. Maybe you need to say, God, forgive me for that. Would you help me to make some time? God, would you give me eyes to see and a heart to love individual people around me enough? God, would you help me to not be so busy in my day to just to, to miss that? People are talking about the things of God, guys, around us more than you know. Maybe you are at that point where you realize, oh my goodness, Sean, I've always thought evangelism would just be somebody who could sit down and teach and preach and you know go knocking door to doors. But yeah, I can go do a little something. Just do that. Do what makes sense to you. But would you ask God for people and names Pray for them, reach out to them to do something this week or the next couple of weeks. Would you make that commitment in your heart, just like Paul? Because at the end of the day, guys, God gives us all this responsibility, and it's such a privilege and a blessing. So I'm going to bring our music team up this morning, and I'm going to pray for us. And whatever God has been kind of challenging, encouraging you, speaking to you, take that simple little step. Do what you know to do. And if you're if you have a heart to do something, but you don't know what, truly, genuinely mean this, tell me. I would love to pray with you, talk with you, explore, and maybe together we could figure that out. But God is a God who tends to answer those prayers. So let's go to Him in prayer. Father, we thank You this morning for Your grace and Your goodness. And Lord, help us to have a heart for people. In just a moment as we share in the Lord's Supper together, it's a reminder of your grace that you gave to us. And just as we pass it to another person, Lord, may we realize that you want us to in turn to pass the gospel to lost people in the world around us. God, we love you. Help us to live compassionate lives for people who need you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.